If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. A warning. This series contains discussions of themes that might be distressing for some listeners. I don't believe he's walked out there. What I know unfolded that night and what's been told is totally different. If it all played out and it was the truth, I could believe it, but I don't believe it at all. The Boy in the Water is a newsroom.co.nz production. Mysterious circumstances, improbable theories, a debacle of a police investigation, and a small town on edge. What really happened to little Lockie Jones? Kia ora, I'm Melanie Reid, Newsroom's Investigations Editor. Welcome to the first episode of our podcast, The Boy in the Water case closed. It's June 2020. I'm in the newsroom investigates office in Auckland, New Zealand. There's a chill in the air, but really our winter in the north is pretty mild. I'm in my usual work mode, which is a bit hectic, working on several stories at once. 
and I keep getting phone calls and messages from a guy down south. His name is Paul Jones. He's desperate to talk to me. The only thing I know about his three-year-old son's story is that he'd been found dead in oxidation ponds where sewerage and wastewater is treated in the deep south town of Gore. A few weeks later, I'm in Southland filming another story, and on my way home, I go via Gore. I arrange to meet Paul Jones on the corner of Salford Street. He turns up in a New Zealand courier van with his friend, Karen Maguire. We introduce ourselves, and then we walk the walk his son was meant to have done, from where he was living to where his body was found. Nothing will ever convince It's a bitterly cold grey day. I have to borrow a jacket from Karen. But it isn't just the cold that's sending shivers down my spine. I wonder how a little boy could have walked all this way on his own. It was such a long way. Gore is a small town near the bottom of the South Island, population 8,000. It services some of Southland's best farming country. It's called Gore as a compliment to an early British governor of the district. It's always been a farming town, and the locals are hospitable, hard-working and salt-of-the-earth types. Two of the major talking points in Gore in 2020 are the closure of the big department store H&J Smith's after 100 years and the mysterious case of little Lockie Jones. When we arrive here, the police investigation is closed. Death by drowning, no suspicious circumstances but many people think there is more to this case. So what, why would he go there? Yeah, that, well, that's a mystery. We find Lockie's father, Paul Jones, and his friend and support, Karen Maguire, have turned detective. There are stacks of folders, diagrams, post-it notes everywhere. They've been poring over the police file for months on end. Thinking back, it's probably been over a year now that they've been asking our investigations team to help them. So at 25 to 10 and They want the police to reopen the case. Here's Karen Maguire. It's not the be all and end all this. The police file. The police file. We know that. They're the experts though, aren't they? Well, do you know in this country that... Let's uh, <laughs> all start that one again. Yeah. Gore's a small town, right? It is a small town, Yeah. So this case is a big thing. It's huge. Everyone's got a view. Yeah, they have. Lockie's dad, Paul Jones, is a Gore courier driver. He knows every street in this town, but was only vaguely aware of the wastewater ponds on the southern edge. The oxidation ponds are vast, dwarfing the Matolda River, which flows alongside the town. 
They were designed in the 70s to cope with an expected population explosion that simply never came. And you were here that night? Uh, I actually didn't see where he was found, but uh, I put a stick out here where he was located. Paul and Lockie's mother had split up around six months before Lockie died. Paul had access visits with his son, but on this night he was in Invercargill City, where he was living, about 45 minutes further south. It was an unusually hot night on 29 January 2019. According to her police statement, this is what Lockie's mother says happened. At around 9pm, she says Lockie ran out of the house. He had a soiled nappy and he was wearing a high-vis vest and a replica police hat when he went missing. Pretending to be a policeman and arresting people was one of his favourite games. Lockie's mother caught up with him at her friend's house about a block away. The friend said she never actually saw Lockie, but while the two women were talking, Lockie ran off again. Both women returned to the mother's house before heading to the playground next door. Again, the women returned to look around the mother's place and then once more at the friend's house. The women say they went together along the street towards the river, speaking to people along the way, and then turned right and headed down Grasslands Road, which leads to the ponds. Lockie's mother says she climbed over a wooden fence beside the gate to the oxidation ponds and went up onto the bank looking for Lockie's hiver's vest. At 9.35pm, she called 111. According to her statement, Lockie had been missing for roughly half an hour by this point. At 11.15pm, around two hours since he'd gone missing, an officer and his police dog found Lockie, face up in the water. There was no chance of reviving him. His little replica police hat was a few metres from his body. Close my eyes at night and I still see him and that, but um, I'm positive, 100%, I know my son and my heart and the way I brought him up and treated him and that, there's no way he would have walked out here on his own, not unattended. And So nothing will ever convince you? Never. He didn't walk out here. Just too many doubts. Two teenagers believe they saw Lockie on the corner of Grasslands Road. From where he lived with his mum and half-brother to where his body was found is approximately 1.2 kilometres. We walk it a number of times, and it takes us between 18 and 20 minutes. Lockie, though, was three and a half, had bare feet and a full nappy. He would have had to have climbed a cyclone gate with barbed wire on top, or a wooden fence, walk down a rough gravel road, up an embankment, and all the way along to the end of two enormous ponds where his body was found. And back then it wasn't mowed like it is now. It was long grass, thistles and nettles. Yet strangely, Lockie had no marks or even scratches on his bare feet. Here's Karen Maguire again. We walked out there the next day and in our sneakers and socks. 
and we ended up with little cuts and little bites and you know on, on our ankles so a little boy would have had some marks on his feet if he was said to have run that way it just it just didn't add up it didn't make sense Photographs in the police file show what the area looked like in January 2019 when Lockie's body was found. Very long, spiky grasses, thistles and sharp gravel. I uh, went to the funeral home, the funeral director, and um, we were seen his body and then I got him and his assistant to check. So they took all his stuff off him and checked it and there's no marks. And the pathology report says there's no marks on him as well. What do you think's happened? Do you just not know, or? No, it's a mystery. You know, how, how could a little boy run out there and bare feet? It was still daylight when they were searching. You know, how long had he been in that water? At the time of Lockie's death, you could access the place by driving down the side of the river to the east and through a middle strip which separated the two oxidation ponds. Do you think there's any chance that in everybody's grief that you are looking for something that's not there? I guess I just want answers. I'm not saying that a three and a half year old boy couldn't run out there. It's a possibility, but it's not probable, in my view. What do you think happened? Either he's been missing a lot longer than anyone's realised. Or said. Yeah, or said. Well, maybe he got out there some other way. Maybe he was taken there. You know, no marks on his feet. We love our pets, but when the floor is covered in fur, that's harder to love. Eufy X10 Pro Omni Robot Vacuum has powerful 8,000 PA suction to make hair vanish from floors in just one pass. Plus, the roller brush has automatic detangling for easy hands-free maintenance. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com, that's E-U-F-Y.com, and discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. So when you went the next day to the ponds, had that area been cordoned off by the police? No, not that I'm aware of, no. It's while we're talking to Paul at the showgrounds, a place close to home where he used to bring Lockie for outings, that we discover that the police had not done a full scene examination following his son's death. Do you think that the police considered it a crime scene? No. Because usually in a crime scene, Paul, the whole area is cordoned off. If someone dies, like even in a traffic accident, the whole area is cordoned off. Yep. They fingerprint, yep. they look at tyre tracks, they look yep. at footprints. 
No, I just think that they um, straight away suggested that it was an accident. And that they didn't do what they would have done if they'd seen it as something more than an accident. Yeah, that's correct. Add to that, it would be over a month before key witnesses in this case were even interviewed. And when a series of statements and timings didn't match, no one was re-interviewed, nor was there any attempt to establish any type of retrospective timeline. So what I know unfolded that night into what's been told is totally different in a lot of cases. What do you mean by that? Oh, the ones that have made statements, they're not all true. Um, nothing's been looked at. There's a lot of cross-referencing into people's statements that have said one thing and they've done another thing and it just doesn't add up, eh? What is your overall view of the police investigation? Uh, well... You're sighing already. <laughs> I am. Look, I am sighing. It's September 2020 when we asked Lynn Rigby, a Christchurch-based private investigator and former police officer, to look into some of the concerns we have surrounding the case. If I was going to mark all of the omissions and statements that cause concerns, then um, the file would be a different colour, really. <laughs> We'd given Glenn Rigby a copy of the police file and there are now purple post-it notes all over it. Police haven't requested um, cell phone data uh, until almost two months after Lachlan uh, was, was found, which means by that stage uh, text traffic has been lost from some of those phones, not all of them, but some of them. It was requested on the 22nd of March and Lachlan went missing on the night of the 29th of January. So what that means is that the police took so long requesting the cell phone data for some witnesses, it was too late. They couldn't get it. They did, however, manage to get location information, and it showed that two crucial witnesses may not have been where they said they were. During the first half hour that Lockie was missing, one of them told police he was out searching a block or two away from Salford Street, when in fact his phone was polling on the other side of town in East Gore, a 10-minute drive away. There is quite a bit of concern about this investigation. It's been described to me as, you know, it's just had a kind of light dust over and that there are many people that have not been interviewed properly. Some of the statements that police members have taken seem... Um, poor, where the members perhaps have been inexperienced, but it's been a very cursory interview with, with neighbours and potential witnesses. So once over lightly? Yes, once over lightly, and perhaps they haven't grasped some of the, the broader issues that they should be addressing from a more investigative point of view. So what are the repercussions of that? Uh, well, they, they can be, there are a myriad of repercussions really, um, but obviously if matters aren't investigated properly, whether they're a homicide or um, a missing person or um, something, something more minor, you struggle then to rely on police investigation to reach the right outcomes. Meaning you can get the wrong outcome? You can get the wrong outcome, that's right. If the right questions aren't asked to the right people at the right times, then it can obviously pervert the outcome of an investigation. The road down to the oxidation ponds, it was rough, it was rocky, it was prickly. 
Would you expect to find something on the boys' feet? Well, that would seem likely, given the environment, um, bearing in mind that the post-mortem was conducted by a clinical pathologist, not a forensic pathologist. So just explain for us the difference between clinical pathology and forensic pathology. Well, clinical pathology is the um, study and identification of diseases based on laboratory analysis of tissue and fluid samples, whereas forensic pathology is uh, determining the cause of death by examining the deceased, um, and it requires a different skill set than a, than a clinical pathologist. So why wasn't the forensic pathology carried out? Would, should there not have been? Uh, well, I would think so. Um, the only forensic pathologists available are in Christchurch, Wellington and Auckland. Right. Um, I don't think they have that capability in Invercargill. Or Gore. Or Gore. So by this stage we've discovered that a scene investigation was almost non-existent at the location Lockie was found. Cell phone data had not been requested. Interviews were done too late and now we have another red flag, that the post-mortem on Lockie's body was carried out by a general pathologist, not a forensic pathologist as it should have been. We ask the Gore police for an interview. They thank us for our request, but decline, adding police acknowledge that a thorough investigation was completed into the tragic circumstances of the accident. Accidents happen, tragic accidents happen, and I accept that. Um, but this file would have to be so thorough for us to accept it, and at the moment it's not. I'd ask that you join with me in prayer. Father God, we thank you for Lockie. We thank you for the joy, for the inspiration, the laughter, the delight that he spoke into each of our lives. At Lockie's funeral, it was clear his death had had a big impact on the town of Gore. There are plenty of people who believe that the little boy didn't wander off and drown in the oxidation ponds. Our investigation finds that the police jumped to a quick conclusion and didn't do a thorough job on this case. The Gore Council had a similar view. As a result of Lockie's death, WorkSafe, New Zealand's workplace health and safety regulator, took the Gore District Council to court where it was alleged that a serious risk of death arose due to the lack of fencing around the oxidation ponds. The council decided it would fight the serious charges, which would have resulted in a fine of up to $1.5 million if found guilty. The Gore Council was not convinced Lockie's death was accidental, and it had serious concerns about the adequacy of the police investigation. So this is where my son's been buried and I come up here every day. Every day? Yep, every day I come up here. I miss him that much that I come up here and spend a wee bit of time as much as I can. I just sit, like to sit here and talk to him and it's like he's still here at times. I know he's not, but I think sometimes 
you might be able to still hear me. Yep. As we know, following Lockie's death, police concluded the preschooler had died by accidental drowning and closed the case. Then, in October 2020, we released our first investigation into Lockie's death. And just days after it was published, police reopened the case. Coming up in the next episode, the police reinvestigation, and we send images of sample slides of Lockie's lung and body tissue overseas to be assessed by an international expert in forensic pathology, and the results reignite the case. We've now got the proof that there's no proof that my son drowned, so what happened to my son? For more journalism that matters, including our award-winning true crime series and podcast, Peter, Alice, The Crash Case and Me, head to newsroom.co.nz or your favourite podcast app. If you like what you're hearing, please subscribe, rate and review our series. It helps new listeners find us. You can also follow our social media pages by searching The Boy in the Water. This series is written and produced by me, Melanie Reid, along with Bonnie Sumner and Judith Curran. It's edited by Paul Entercott. Original music by Age Pryor. You're listening to The Boy in the Water, public interest journalism funded through Aotearoa New Zealand on air. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hey guys, welcome to Giggly Squad, a place where we make fun of everything, but most importantly, ourselves. I'm Paige DeSorbo. I'm Hannah Burner. Welcome to the squad. Giggly Squad started on Summer House when we were giggling during an inappropriate time. But of course, we can't be managed. So we decided to start this podcast to continue giggling. We will make fun of pop culture news. We're watching fashion trends, pep talks where we give advice, mental health moments, and games and guests. Listen to Giggly Squad on Acast or wherever you get your podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com <laughs>